Welcome to the Unpolished MBA podcast and our special holiday series called Unpolished Gold, Mining for Talent in Transition, where we uncover the hidden gems of the professional world this holiday season. So, Unpolished MBA audience, I want to introduce to you a special guest that we have on our Gold Series, Amanda Nielsen. Welcome, Amanda. Hi. Thanks, Monique. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for coming. You know, this series has been very enlightening, and meeting such interesting people has really been a joy. You have some interesting things on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> And it just seems like you have such a great personality just based upon your profile. So, well, you yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. So right now you have a post that you're talking about. You're in the spirit of relationship building and you're looking for certain things in your in your next role. So you want to share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I have spent the last five years of my career in the world of partnerships. I started out on the agency side of things, managing technology partners, and then jumping over to the tech partner side. And that's where I was for the last four years or so at a company called Formstack, where I played a big part in founding and scaling their partner program. Oh, that's interesting. So that's a startup, right? So Formstack was actually... I've been around since I think almost 2006. So the company okay. was well established, but partnership function kind of was like a startup within a scale up. So while Formstack was a more mature company, the partnership function was very much in startup mode when I joined. So you had to build that from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. So I joined and we were a team of four in 2020. And then we eventually scaled up to a team of 12. And the partner function was driving nearly 50% of all mid-market and enterprise new business revenue at its peak. So I got a ton of experience there. So tell me a little bit about what makes a program like that work. Yeah. So the thing about the Formstack partner program that really sets it apart, and this is something that like I'm hoping to bring into the next role that I take, was our partner program was built to be partner friendly, which sounds like kind of a no-brainer, but what I've found just in my time in the partnerships world is that so many companies go into building a partner program without really taking their partner's needs, wants, preferences into account. I think that people have like a really preconceived notion of like, you know, this is who we should partner with and, you know, let's assume that they like this, this, and this. But in reality, like the different types of partners are all really unique in what matters to them in a partner program. It's interesting you say that because you're spot on. You know, we have seen a lot of failed partnerships, including those that have initiated them with us. And part of it is they're like, hey, we'd make great partners. And it's, it's very one-sided. And then they're like, all right, here's the information. I think we can make great partners. And then they go away. Like, you, you never hear from them again. So I want to know what made your program so su successful and like unique. What did you guys do? And before you go into those details, let me just tell you a little bit about what I've seen because you'll probably build on it when, I, when I'm explaining that we have not had the greatest partnerships. We'll meet, 
they'll kind of explain the synergies and I hate using that word, right? And <laughs> then they'll provide some, let's say, digital assets we could use or, you know, a landing page that, you know, helps them be able to know where leads and stuff come from and maybe a co-branded page or something specifically set up for our partnership. And then they go away. It's like, it's not a matter of really explaining their ideal client profiles or their expectations or vice versa, asking our expectations. Does it make sense? So yeah, absolutely. There's different. You are spot on with that. Like, I think that's what so many companies end up doing. You really hit the nail on the head with like the one-sided comment mm-hmm. you made, especially when it comes to like SaaS companies who are working with services businesses like agencies and consult. Those relationships tend to be really one-sided, right? Like the services business is sending all their customers to the tech partner and, you know, the tech partner isn't usually sending a ton back or, you know, providing a lot of benefit back to that partner. So I'd say the main thing that we really prioritized was making sure that these relationships were bi-directional. And how we did that was we were extremely specific about who we wanted to partner with. I speak to a lot of companies who cast a super wide net when they go to build a partner program and they bring on as many partners as they can. Basically, it's a process of like a conversation and then signing a piece of paper and then they say, okay, you're a partner and that's it. And what we found is that creating this really low barrier to entry almost like sets you up to fail because yes. on, yeah, like so many partners who maybe aren't actually like the best fit. And then you're like, I have a hundred partners. Why is nobody producing? And then there's the other side of things where your partner program can be like too rigorous to get into. And you, you see that more with like enterprise uh, businesses where there's like a big pay to play, like a lot of exams and certifications and things that you need to maintain to be a partner. So for like a mid-sized company like Formstack, working with other mostly mid-sized partners, we found like a really great middle ground where we had this process of onboarding that was able to weed out the poor fit partners or maybe the partners who aren't actually that invested in making a fruitful relationship. And then also having that like onboarding process and those milestones, something that set the partner up for success. So like at Formstack, we had a certification and enablement program, and that really helped us make sure that like it was very clear in the eyes of our partners, like where those like synergies lied and where Formstack could help them deliver better services to their customer base. So like that was super obvious to them. They knew the value proposition. They knew how Formstack was going to help them. And then we would train and certify them on the tools. And like the types of partners that we worked with were like solutions consultants who were very technical. So we made our partner certification kind of geared toward that persona, making it super hands on. Like there was no uh, exam or like multiple choice tests that you needed to take uh-huh. instead took like a project-based approach because we knew that these type of people were more like hands-on learners and it would serve them better to actually get experience with the product as opposed to just taking a test. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love that approach. As you're explaining the, the partnership, many people have different ideas of what a partnership is and they may think it's similar or it's the same as an affiliate. 
So can you share what you believe the differences to be between a partnership and affiliate? And have you seen them be interchangeably used? Yeah, I think that people definitely use them interchangeably. I would not do so. I think of partnerships as being like truly bi-directional relationships with room for expansion and really more beyond just like a transaction. To me, an affiliate relationship is really just like, you know, kind of one directional. And a lot of times it's like individuals or like very small organizations will become affiliates of the larger org and they'll, you know, pass leads and then get a referral bonus or kickback or some sort of like very simple transactional thing like that. I think partnerships as being a lot more involved and invested in each other's growth mutually. So rather than just passing leads back and forth, you're really invested in like going to market together and engaging on like a much deeper level and having like joint customer successes together. I love the way you said joint customer successes. That is how you make sure both sides are invested. I know so many people that could use your help right now. (laughs) For sure. For sure. I am so glad you are on. Um, Just even explaining the things that you have, I'm sure it will bring clarity to some folks that are kind of struggling in the area right now, but also struggling to grow. So your, your role really helps a company grow their revenues big time and their relationships. So how do you even see like the future of partnerships and channel sales evolving? Yeah, so I think there's been a huge increase in demand for partnerships professionals, which is definitely been heartening being on the job search. There's definitely a lot more partnerships opportunities than there were, you know, the last time I was job searching like four years ago. I think that especially given just the way like outbound sales and marketing is evolving with different regulations like GDPR and just like even the most recent regulations around like email deliverability, the spray and pray like mass messaging method is becoming less and less effective. And I think people are starting to realize that partnerships and like fostering genuine connections and communities is going to be the way to continue growing as a business when you can't lean on those more traditional methods. That's a great point. Most companies that I've seen do partnerships or call them partnerships, really look at the other side as just an extension of their sales team. And again, that's very one-sided. It's just to them, if you sell something, you get a commission. To me, that looks looks more like an affiliate, right? Yeah, yeah, we see a lot of people hiring for like partner managers, but really what the job description is, is almost like a glorified SDR where they're just sourcing wine. And I think it's really important to understand that like a good partner manager is so much more than like someone who sources pipeline. Like they're really fostering a true relationship, like multi-threaded relationship with not just, you know, the partner representative, but the whole organization, They're empowering them and enabling them around the product. You know, they're engaging in co-sponsored events or like marketing campaigns. It's different things beyond just focusing on customer projects. Absolutely. How do you look at the current trend, I would say, where everyone has a newsletter (laughs) and they want everyone to sign up for their newsletter? You know, everyone is 
doing a, a pretty similar version of this, this tactic where they create a newsletter, they want folks to sign up, and then they're looking for, as they call, partnerships, which are basically sponsors, right? They're calling them partnerships, but they're sponsors who will pay them for putting a logo or a blip about their company inside of the newsletter. How do you, what category do you put that in? Yeah, so that's a great question. And yeah, I've I've definitely gotten just in my time as like a partnerships professional, so many, you know, emails or LinkedIn in-mail about a partnership opportunity and come to find it's really just something that's either like uh, a transactional exchange of, you know, money for sponsorship or like even worse, it's just like uh, a sales tactic where, you know, they're really more so just looking for referrals. Right. So in my mind, like those types of initiatives and tactics, I mean, they can definitely be effective, but I don't find that they really give you the most bang for your buck. Oh, uh, I mean, it's definitely like something that you can engage in with a partner as like one of the the ways that you're going to market together is like doing a co-branded event. And perhaps there's like a sponsorship or like monetary exchange in there. But if that is just the extent of the relationship, it's like you have a much less powerful message to bring to your prospective customer when it's just a logo on a slide or on a banner at a trade show. When you can come together and say, hey, we have this, you know, joint solution, whether that's like Formstack's product being implemented by XYZ partner who is a total product expert in your specific industry. Like that's a lot more compelling when you can go to market with a story mm-hmm. and like actually showcase what that success would look like as opposed to just, you know, joining forces for the sake of like putting your names on the same thing. Right. And share an email list without anything <laughs> else. Right. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about what sorts of traits make a good partnership professional. So I'd say for the individual, like as a partnerships professional, it's kind of a blend of different skills. So I started my career in marketing, actually, like that was what I went to school for. I started out at a marketing agency doing marketing and then, you know, eventually transitioned over into partnerships because I've always had sort of like an inclination for sales. And I liked partnerships because I got to use like a lot of my sales instincts and relationship building skills, plus, you know, implementing different marketing tactics and like the skills that I acquired uh, for like demand generation and like creating a brand like those all really lend themselves to making a successful partnerships person and have helped me tremendously in my career. But for like a partnership itself, like what sorts of traits in a partner or prospective partner make a fruitful relationship? I'd say definitely having like aligned culture and values. Like first and foremost, I think if your company's mesh it's going to be a lot easier to create that like joint narrative together around kind of like a unified mission. So like first and foremost, alignment there. And then I'd say alignment on what makes a good partnership. Some people are perfectly happy to have that like transactional, you know, 
very surface level collaboration. But if that's not you, you definitely want to make sure that you're spending time with partners who want to partner on the same level. Because like, to your point, it kind of means different things to different people. They use partner, affiliate, you know, all those different words interchangeably. So I'd say making sure that you're really aligned on what a truly bi-directional relationship looks like is going to be the most critical for success. It's interesting you say that because in initial conversations, there seems to be alignment in the, in, you know, when there's discussions. But it's like once that agreement is done, it's not often that the expectations are met <laughs> on on both sides. So it could be one is, you know, go silent, basically. And the idea that they were going to work together in the beginning conversation seemed very clear, but then it kind of fizzles out. So I guess having a good partnership professional like you on the team would actually make sure that that doesn't happen because you have to start over again once that relationship goes south. Totally. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of like neglect when it comes to the topic of partnership expansion. Like people get really focused on like, how do we acquire partners? They're really focused on volume as opposed to quality and just bringing on as many partners as you can for the sake of saying you have, you know, 200 partners. And at Ormstack specifically, we had a role called the partner growth manager. And that was a person on our team whose entire role was dedicated to basically being like a relationship manager for our certified partners. So partners who had already done all the onboarding, had already, you know, kind of gone through all those hoops and gotten certified. That person was a go-to resource who was regularly meeting with these partners, engaging in joint go-to-market initiatives, you know, like co-sponsored events, webinars, you know, on-site visits, customer engagements, and proactively finding opportunities to continually expand the relationship. Because when you have a partner program, I think it's the responsibility of, you know, the partner who's offering the program to make the most of that relationship, especially as like a technology company. Typically, technology companies have more resources, especially compared to like a services business, right? Like a tech company is going to have a pretty big like marketing and sales team compared to like maybe a more boutique agency or consultancy. Like their bread and butter is really you know, services and delivery, whereas like a tech company maybe can be more hands off because their product is a product, it's self-serve, it takes, you know, maybe less manpower per se to like make that product run itself. And so I think that as that partner on the tech side of things, you can really offer a lot and be more proactive in extracting value from your partnerships. Now, I see that your background is in marketing, and I always say this from my experience, folks with marketing, a marketing background and marketing experience are some of the most creative people I've ever met because you all have a great sense of what it takes to influence decisions. I don't care if it's through brand, through visuals, through whatever, but you also have also a sense of business. like. If we do this, it should have this outcome as far as revenue or signups or what have you. So that's a great asset to, to have. How did you go from some of the 
typical digital marketing kind of roles into realizing that, hey, I want to really stick in partnerships? Like, how did you make that decision? What determined that? Yeah, it's a great question. Like, going into college, I I never was like, I want to be a strategic partnerships manager. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't even Did that know even that. exist. Like I'm trying to remember when it was actually a role that was defined, you know, as such. Yeah. No, totally. Like that didn't really exist when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I just knew that like marketing really aligned with what I was interested in. Like I loved writing and public speaking and social media. And so I was like, well, you know, this seems like it could be a good fit. And then as I got into my first like real marketing job, I was doing internal marketing for the marketing agency, which was kind of interesting. So I wasn't doing necessarily like marketing for our customers. And the agency I worked at was a top tier HubSpot agency. So they were a big partner of HubSpot. And so that is really what turned me on to partnerships was like seeing how powerful that collaboration between the agency and HubSpot could be, as opposed to just being an agency where maybe you work across all different tech stacks and and whatnot, them really doubling down on HubSpot and that ecosystem proved super successful. And so I got really interested in that collaboration and eventually started doing more and more like marketing and co-marketing with HubSpot and other technology partners. And I found out that like I really enjoyed it and I was great at the relationship building component. So that's kind of how I fell into it. HubSpot has it figured out, hands down. They are a great company to get good ideas from. Now, I know everyone has to do things that's specific for, you know, their business, their customer, their industry, but HubSpot has really figured this thing out. Absolutely. So what do you see as far as the future of partnerships? Where do you see AI fitting into that? It's it's quite the hot topic right now, and I definitely see it. Uh, folding itself into the partnerships world, especially as like the demand for partnership function increases and it becomes more of like a quintessential part of every business. Like currently, you know, most businesses have marketing, they have sales, they have customer success. Those are, you know, foundational. Partnerships, on the other hand, has been seen as like this kind of nice to have, maybe a more advanced strategy. And I think that's going to change. So as partnership programs and functions become more commonplace in your average business, we'll definitely see the impact of AI. Like one really cool product that I've seen that is relatively new and and almost ahead of its time and like how advanced it is, it's called Fluency. And basically what it does is it is a product where, say you're a technology company and you have an ecosystem of agency partners. Basically, It will monitor your calls with your customers and take what it hears and use AI to pull out specific instances where your product could be a fit. So like in the case of Formstack, if the partner is having a conversation with their customer and they are saying, you know, we need a way to collect applications that are specifically maybe native to Salesforce or like a really specific trigger or like identifier that makes your product a really good fit. Basically, Fluency will hear that and then it will ping the partner and say, hey, your conversation was so-and-so. You mentioned this, this, and this. 
that might mean that Formstack could be a really good fit. Like here is some suggested content or like enablement around the product. Like what sort of next step do you want to take? So it's going to notify the partner and then the technology company themselves as well. Like, hey, Fluency detected that so-and-so has a potential project. And so that's like a super advanced use case for like a program that's a little more mature, but I'm really excited to see where that goes. For sure. And, you know, that product, even though you say it's a little more mature, I'm like, if I think about chat GPT, look how far it's come in such a short amount of time. I can see things like that where, where companies who adopt a tool like that are able to like skyrocket quickly <laughs> compared to their competitors who may be a little slower to adopt. Yeah, it's super cool. And like, it's neat because it, it's going to help your partners too. Like when account executives are having conversations, like this tool is going to help them take the guesswork of figuring out, oh my God, what third-party tool do I need to bring in here? Who's going to be the best fit? So yeah, I'm really excited to see where that goes. And I'm sure there will be, you know, just as more partnership tools emerge as well, like AI is definitely going to find its way in there. Well, one thing that is increasingly important, especially now that we have, you know, social media and folks are able to put themselves out there is with having a personal brand to help partnerships. So right now you have a personal brand. I guess uh, mm -hmm. one of the things that I, I also saw that you're kind of freelancing right now, you have a, a agency. How has your personal brand helped you even in your career, but also, you know, with the freelancing that you're doing in your transition right now? Yeah, so the personal brand has been like such a game changer for me. It has brought me like close friends. It's helped me start a business. It's landed me different jobs. Like I cannot stress enough like how positive it's been for me. But as a partnerships professional specifically, I think that a partnership manager's ability to build relationships, build community, and foster this reputation, especially online, social media, is a really great testimony to their ability to do all of that, you know, on behalf of a business. And I can't, you know, stress how much it's helped me, especially in like my work at Formstack, just being really active in the Salesforce ecosystem, for example, like going to events, networking, like creating content, engaging with other folks in the ecosystem online. All of that really helped me gain a lot of traction. And then in turn, that translated into increased demand for Formstack and its partner program. We have this funny joke, like my old colleague Shaquille, who joined Formstack, he and I had been like mutuals on Twitter for a long time. We didn't actually like know each other, but, you know, he had been following me for a while. And when he found out about the job at Formstack, he was like, oh, like, I'm going to go join Amanda's company. And he literally, when he figured out that it wasn't like my company, which is so uh -huh. funny, it was like a 300 person firm. And like, it's very... <laughs> To me, that sounds absurd, but because of like how active I was on social media, representing the brand and just like all of that, he literally was like thought it was like some sort of <laughs> leadership role. And so we always joke about that now, but like and he was such an amazing asset to our team, like it just goes to show that like that connection, I think that's a really cool example of, of how it can help you as an individual and the company that you work for. 
Well, I mean, you're you're definitely unique in that you're okay with using your your own platform to also promote the company you work for. Some people don't want to do that at all. So they may share their expertise, but never in the context of the company that they work for. So that's that's a huge asset. It's one of those things where you just really never know where people stand on that. Totally. Yeah. And like, I think there's definitely like a line, like it's really good to still promote your own personal stuff and like, uh-huh. you know, stay true to your, your brand as a person and then incorporate the company stuff, you know, where it's appropriate and, you know, integrates organically. I don't think you need to be, you know, all one or the other. And I think it's, it's yeah. good to strike sort of a balance there. That's a great perspective. I saw that you have an e-commerce store. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I have a little brand called Thought Leader Labs. Um, it's a kind of a play on words there, just being a somewhat unconventional thought leader. Being <laughs> Wait a minute. Stop. <laughs> Stop right there. So it's not thought as in thinking, T-H-O-U-G-H-T. It's not as in T-H-O-T. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a cool play on words. Yeah. There's a there's a story behind that. Um, you know, being a young woman in in a somewhat male-dominated industry, like in my very first job out of college, I had an unfortunate experience where, you know, I was chatting it was a group chat I think on like a Instagram with a bunch of my male coworkers who I was super friendly with like you know we we're all just sending memes and stuff and somebody had made a really off-color joke basically referring to me as like office thought because I was like the token young you know conventionally attractive woman on the team and they meant no harm by it obviously but it was really offensive and kind of just like mind boggling because I had a really great reputation in the company. Like I worked really hard. I crushed my goals and like to think that people would still just like thoughtlessly, <laughs> thoughtless, uh, thoughtlessly make an insult like that. That was like a derogatory term towards women was really crappy. And so I kind of used that as like a reclamation of that experience. And also it just really like you know, symbolizes my mission to challenge what like a thought leader can look like in this industry. Like it doesn't have to be an old white guy, you know, Mm -hmm. like your standard, um, you know, thought leader with the line breaks and the emojis and the really clickbaity posts. Like you can be, you know, a young woman and you can be Gen Z and you can use like funny slang and like share memes and like still be taken seriously and still be really good at what you do. So like that was kind of my brand. And i like I said earlier, I've always been really active on social media. I had this personal brand and I would make funny tweets, like quips. And like one example is like I had this tweet and I was like, guys, like marketing attribution is actually made up. Like, was anyone aware of this? You know, sarcasm. Um, and it went viral and people thought it was so funny. And they were like, oh, my God, you put this on a T-shirt or something. And so um, I did, and it turned into its own little e-commerce business. So I have like like hat, t-shirt, mugs with all these different funny sayings and whatnot on them related to like tech and, and business in general. Tell tell me a couple of them that we can expect to find on the website. Yeah. So uh, one is no need for data, just vibes. Um, <laughs> that one is a big crowd pleaser. I think people 
like collectively are just so sick of the obsession with overly data driven to the point where you're neglecting like the intangibles that can, you know, make an initiative successful. So like that's a really popular one. I'd say the last one that that's super popular is <laughs> there was this tweet I had once where it was like uh, men's bios always be like big things coming. <laughs> that, that, and then the big thing is just a newsletter. Because <laughs> everyone has a newsletter and it's like, it's kind of um, just like a joke about how people are like, oh, I'm building in public. Like I'm, you know, big yeah. are coming. and it's like they're launching something that's like kind of silly. I don't know. Long as in a podcast is like, OK. Yeah. yeah, like I'm all for it. I love it. But sometimes it's fun to like poke yeah. from it. thing. I love it. You have a great sense of humor and are very creative. And again, like I said at the beginning, I didn't even know about this e-commerce business, but I said at the beginning, most of the marketing people I know are some of the most creative folks I know, and they know how to turn pretty much anything into a business. So you fall right into that category, Miss Amanda. Thank you so much. I love it. So thanks for sharing that. In a recent post, you talk about a little bit about some of your hobbies and things you like to do. And it really helps people see you as a as a person, not just like this robotic person that's talking about partnerships and sales channels all the time. <laughs> you talk yeah. about skiing is your favorite thing to do because you grew up in New England and you have, you know, thoughts on real estate investing and, you know, some financial literacy. And so being willing to learn new things and share things that you know how to do is is really cool. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was definitely like, and this is something I would recommend to like other folks who are on the job search too, is like, you know, be very outward and vocal about what makes you unique beyond what's just on a resume. Because at the end of the day, people hire people and your candidacy can really be affected by like how you mesh with the people you're interviewing with. Having been on the other side, when you have a big pool of really talented candidates who are maybe all equally qualified and competent, you're going to want to go with the person who maybe meshes well with your team from a cultural perspective. And like, I think work just becomes a lot more enjoyable too when you can relate to your coworkers on more than just a professional level. And you can call those people friends even, not always. Like you don't have to be best friends with everyone you work with, but it definitely helps when you can immerse yourself in a community as opposed to, you know, just being an employee. Absolutely. Well said. I, I could say you're one post where you're talking about how much you love dogs. <laughs> and I typically really like people who love dogs because they're they're themselves warm people, very <laughs> inviting, welcoming. So I'm like, ah, Amanda loves dogs. I'm sure I would love to work with her. Totally. So, yeah. I know. I'm I'm a big dog person. So it's funny how like when you just find these like commonalities with people, like it just fosters these connections that can lead to something way greater than you ever expected. So yeah, love to That's share that. True. <laughs> so what is your what does your ideal next role look like? You mentioned a few things about like head of partnerships and director strategic partnerships. But what is your idea of what your day to day would look like um, for your next role? Yeah. So yeah, in terms of title, like it's funny because because partnerships is is relatively new, like there's mm-hmm. not a super 
clear like career path. Like you go from strategist to associate to, you know, whatever, like in partnerships, it's very, very inconsistent. You'll see a partner manager level role asking for 15 years of experience. And then at another company, they'll be listing a director of partnerships asking for five years. So it's super varied. So in terms of title, I'm staying very open. But what I would love to do is join another company where I can either build or scale an immature partner program. So take everything that I learned in my time at Formstack and bring that somewhere new to help a company create a partnerships function that really contributes to revenue and becomes like a core part of the go-to-market strategy. But day-to-day, it kind of depends on what sort of team I join, if it's a, you know, what kind of product it is or if it's a services business. But the day-to-day ideally would either be me being like an individual contributor and building out best practices and, and building the foundation, the program, the playbook, and then adding other team members Or maybe if I'm joining a team that's a little more mature and and getting into like scale mode, that's, you know, helping organize a team and, you know, having people who are responsible for different parts of the partner lifecycle. So having someone responsible for bringing on new partners, helping them acquire new partners, generate that demand. And then you have your partner growth manager, who I mentioned earlier, someone who's responsible for expanding the relationship. And in both instances, there's a whole lot of cross-functional relationship building within the organization that's required, especially alignment with sales and marketing, because those are all interfacing with customers and partners are interfacing with customers. So it really helps to be super aligned with the other parts of your organization to create like a cohesive partner program. So I'm going to ask you uh, two questions that are our rapid fire questions that everyone is answering on this series. And what is a suggested book or the last book you read? I'd say the best book that I read recently, like career-wise, when I was starting a new job, I read, uh, it's called The First 90 Days. And it's a book that kind of helps you plan out how to make the most impact in your first 90 days at a new company. And, you know, the most recent role I was becoming like a higher level. So I was getting increased responsibility and it was something that I hadn't had as much experience with. And I found that like reading that book really helped me put it all in perspective and and figure out what to prioritize first, because it's definitely like drinking from the fire hose. So for books, I can't recommend that one enough. Okay, so this is going to sound really weird, but I'm going to ask you this question first and then confirm. Is the author Michael Watkins? I think so. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just got that book from the library. It's here (laughs) in my and I was like, is she talking about, it's a turquoise book. Yeah. yeah, I have it right here. I literally just got it from the library because I was helping someone kind of figure out some next steps. And I said, this will be relevant. Let me see if I like it first. And it's a great book. So then the next question is, what are some tech tools that you can't live without? I'd say just my day-to-day I use Notion a lot for Uh Mm note-taking. I think it's super versatile because you can do all different types of layouts, like spreadsheets and, you know, like Kanban boards and things like that. I also ran out of storage in Google Docs, so (laughs) I've transitioned over to something with a little more space for all my random notes and such. That's a good one. And then I use ChatGPT a lot, but... 
<laughs> I try not to use it in the way that like, you know, where I'm necessarily using it to create things for me. I use it sometimes to proofread or almost as like a thesaurus when I'm writing. You can tell when someone is posting something and you can tell chat GPT wrote it. So I definitely try to make sure that I'm keeping my own voice and being authentic and and use it in a way that's kind of just supplementing what I'm already creating as opposed to creating on my behalf. You can certainly tell when it's directly chat GPT. And I don't think pe- some people just really don't care. So I- I'm happy to hear that you do. And I'm sure that being someone that values personal brand, that that's authentic to you anyways, that you would, you know, handle things that way. So I want to thank you for joining us today on Unpolished MBA. And what is the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me. This has been such a great conversation. And it's really awesome that you're doing this, you know, for folks. And I can't wait to to see this live. In terms of finding me, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can just search my name, Amanda Nielsen, or my like, LinkedIn handle is very demanda, which is kind of just a, a funny inside joke from when I was a demand gen marketer. And I'm, I can be a little demanding sometimes, but uh, that's usually my handle for everything. So I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn there. But yeah, very demanda. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Well, thanks, Amanda, for joining us. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the holiday season. Yeah, thanks, Monique. You too. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, this episode is part of our holiday 2023 special series called Unpolished Gold. It's a curated collection of conversations and insights designed to highlight career professionals navigating transitions and experts with a wealth of knowledge to share. So as the year winds down, It's the perfect time to reassess, rebrand, and reinvigorate your career aspirations, remembering that every challenge is an opportunity in disguise, and every transition is a doorway to new possibilities. Stay tuned for our next episode, and if you'd like to be a guest during a special series running through New Year's 2024, go to unpolishedmba.com forward slash gold. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with anyone who might benefit from these insightful discussions. Here's to uncovering and celebrating the unpolished gems within us all. Happy Holidays!